Hello, and welcome to The Weekend Starts on Wednesday. Welcome back to another episode of The Weekend Starts on Wednesday. My name is Patrick Arias, and it is my pleasure to be your tour guide as we break down and discuss this weekend's hot picks and bold predictions. We are dedicated to bringing you the most exciting sports matchups taking place Wednesday through Sunday. And yes, we are live in the living room. And as always, I am joined by my three co-hosts, Andres, the Cavalier King, Bryant, first prize, Flores, and none other than Mr. Champagne Chauncey. Gentlemen, 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 welcome back. Welcome back to another exciting sports weekend. This episode, Flores talks about all the stars taking center stage in the land down under for the men's and women's tournaments, the Australian Open. Chance is ecstatic that the Brooklyn Nets are on a West Coast tour all weekend. Does he have them winning every single game this week? Patrick and Chance come up with a clever bet for Saturday afternoon. I guarantee you, you're going to want to hear this one. And Andres loves his outdoor his outdoor activities, especially this weekend with the NHL. We're going to get into all this, and we're going to discuss all these topics just after this. If you enjoy listening to the show, please subscribe to us on Instagram and Facebook. Just search Weekend Starts on Wednesday. You can keep up with all of our stories, all of our posts, and all of our predictions. Again, to keep up with all of our action and entertainment, Weekend Starts on Wednesday. We pride ourselves on talking about all the sports taking place Wednesday through Sunday, but this is a show where we are all from Los Angeles. So we are more than likely tend to be Dodger fans. Flores is the lone San Francisco Giants fan. And this has to beg the question with pitchers and catchers reporting tomorrow for most of the MLB uh, teams, which pitching rotation is better? The San Diego Padres with the moves they made or the Los Angeles Dodgers basically with the one big move they made by getting Trevor Bauer. So let me just read it to you, Andres, before I ask you. We have uh, the Dodgers have Clayton Kershaw, Trevor Bauer, Walker Bueller, Julio Urias. Those are their starters. David Price is the um, fourth or fifth starter, depending on his health. Then you can jump over to the Padres, and they have you Darvish, freshly minted Padre, Blake Snell, fresh Padre, Dinelson Lamette, who is in and out of injury. Uh, Chris Paddock is a sensation right-hander. And Joe Musgrove, who, if you listened a couple weeks ago to the show, I could not get behind why he was getting so much uh, publicity. So I ask you, Andres, please put your fandom aside. Who do you think has the better pitching rotation? Um, I guess you can say overall as well with closers and relief pitchers. Uh, you know, I still I, I would have to give the edge to the Dodgers. Um, the Padres are right behind their tail on that. 
they did make some good moves. Again, I don't know the Musgrove uh, signing. I don't think that strengthens them. It just gives them another arm so that way they can blow when they're getting their asses blown out in the eighth and just bring somebody to, to throw up another run or two. Um, but they are they are a team to, to be weary of, and I think they have uh, the you know the relief pitching that is could be scary. Um, they just signed, if I'm not mistaken, Pat um, Melancone, the guy from um, the Braves. Yeah, Melanson. Melanson, thank you, thank you, Melanson. So that to me is a, is a good arm to have in the bullpen. Um, I don't I don't know what's going to happen with the Dodgers and their bullpen and who they're going to come you know bring out um, for support. So we'll see what happens. I still have to give the, the edge to the Dodgers, though, just solely based on the arms of Kershaw, Bueller, uh, Urias, um, and hopefully David Price can, can – I mean, we don't know what's going on with him and his health, but if he is back and he's healthy, man, that's that's a very one, two, three, four uh, dangerous pitcher. I wouldn't want to face any of them. And you forgot Trevor Bauer. And Bauer, right, and Bauer. So I think the edge – Still go to the Dodgers. Chance, um, let's hear who you think has the better starters. But I, I want to hear your take on who the Dodgers, uh, the Dodgers should have as a closer. Well, I think uh, you know you still let Kenley go ahead and close things out until he shits the bed, which he has done, you know, <laughs> for pretty much the last three seasons. Until uh, so you have to be forced to to have someone fill in his spot. So. You let him go ahead and start and kind of shit the bed for, for him to pave the way for someone else. But I, I agree with Andres's take. I think the Dodgers uh, have the stronger bullpen. Definitely see the Padres coming up on their heels. Um, just as a team, as an organization, honestly. They're going all in for the first time, I feel like, in a long time. Not only acquiring some, some big-name pitchers, but also just getting the talent um, with Hosmer and, and, and Manny Machado. Obviously, Tatis is a beast. Uh, future MVP in the league, but with Bauer, even though I don't really like the dude and his shenanigans, and I'm somewhat skeptical, Patrick, of the signing, um, and I know Flores doesn't like to hear that because he, you know, and I understand what he's saying, because <laughs> the, the pitchers, you know, the pitchers are going to be a little separate from the rest of the bullpen, but they're still traveling together, they're still in the clubhouse, and I'm sorry, he's a fucking cheese dick, so I just don't trust him, but uh, with Walker Bueller coming on, and then David Price, man, I think David Price has something to prove, didn't play this past season. Uh, I think the Dodgers have the, the better bullpen, or excuse me, the better pitching staff by far. I, I saved the Giants fan for last because I want to hear what he has to say because he doesn't like either of these teams, but I have a feeling he hates the Dodgers just a little bit more. No, and at the end of the day, you know, I'm just a baseball fan, and I love to just see what happens. You know what I mean? It's Obviously, way too early to know, even though they're reporting. You don't know what's going to happen with midseason trades. The Dodgers know that there might be a glaring issue there to close out games, as has been discussed over the last several years. But to me, you got to look at the absolute top of the rotation. Usually, your top two starters. That's who's really going to set the tone in the playoffs, which we expect both of these teams to be in. And, man, is it a toss-up. Because let's say on the Dodgers' side, Bauer Bueller, on the Padres' side, Darvish Snell. Mm -hmm. Right now, man, I got to go with, 
by a slightest, slightest <laughs> of margins, Snell and Darvish. Because as great of a season last year as Bauer had, and you know, won the Cy Young, Darvish was just in the same type of conversation for the season he had mm-hmm. as well. And Snell damn near kept the race in the World Series as much as Bueller contributed to what the Dodgers did. So, yes, they are on new teams, but, uh, you know, I I just slightly got to give the edge to the Dodgers overall. Don't get me wrong, but if you're going into the playoffs, who do I trust more at that point? Man, it, I'd be hard-pressed to pick against the Padres with those two guys at the top of the rotation, especially given Snell. Just, I don't so know. You, you, trust, you, you trust you, Darvish? You trust you, over Darvish? Trevor I, I could, over Trevor Bauer. You tr- but I mean, yeah. you've, seen what he's done in the, you've seen what he's done in the World Series, trash can or not, and you trust him? Well, we talked about that already <laughs> with Darvish last year when we were you know going over the beginning of the season. It's, Hey, you can't just say trash can or not like it's nothing. That's a huge deal to say trash can or not. Like, I don't know. Here's my thoughts about it. Here's the thing, Forrest. Uh, Yeah, it's great to have the starting pitchers that they have. But I'm looking for the bullpen. And we're we're talking about a Dodgers team who's got young arms, who who won a World Series this past year, right, And, and the likes of Victor Gonzalez coming in. Uh, Dustin May coming in, uh, Gonsolin even helping out just a little bit. Gratterall, thank God, is still in the, in the team. So, you know, they, these guys can throw, man. These guys got some young fucking firing power, and your starters can only go eight innings max. So you're going to have to rely on the arms of the, of the bullpen. And I think that's what gives the Dodgers the edge. And not to, you know, not to take away, too, the Dodgers also signed Corey uh, Neville. And I know he didn't have a great year last year with, with, uh, the Brewers, but he's gonna. Have, I think he's gonna come back and bounce back because he's actually on a winning team or a winning franchise to know. Hey, you know what? I'm gonna have a shot. This is could be where I, I rebuild my career in Los Angeles. So I think yeah, it's fine to have all the starters you want, and Darvish and, and uh, Snell can get you there. But then at some point, you're gonna have to pull them out. And uh, to that, I'll argue the point of man. All of last year, the biggest issue with the Dodgers was the bullpen a lot of the times and the end of the game and the Padres I mean you're mentioning adding for whoever they have Mel Anderson is a big addition to that bullpen especially with what they have and as far as a rotation keep in mind not only next year but the year after that the Padres have one of their stud studs coming back from having Tommy John surgery I'm blanking on his name but they don't even have their full staff right now. And to Chance's point of what Darvish did in a World Series, look at what Trevor Bauer did when he had the chance to pitch in a World Series. He shipped the bed two games of that World Series. You know, he was supposed to start game one, and he cut his finger with a drone, and all of a sudden, game two, he wasn't able to do shit out there. So you say what you want about Darvish, you can say the exact same thing about Bauer in a World Series, too. And Urias came and saved the shit out of that season or the, 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 the World Series for the Dodgers with a lot of those end-of-the-game two, three innings that he pitched. And 
that man deserves all the praise in the world, but is that something you can rely on year to year? Is a guy just filling in like that? And don't get me wrong, the Dodgers, it's not like I'm picking the Padres by a lot. I'm just saying I'm going off of the top two guys in the playoffs. And over the length of the season, the Dodgers may have a better rotation. But, again, keep in mind how much shit you guys, yourselves, were talking about Kershaw last year. And David Price is a huge unknown. We're assuming this is David Price, by young David Price. He's old. He missed the season last year. Who knows if he even lasts the season with the Dodgers. So there's a lot of unknowns for the Dodgers as well. Just throwing that out, I'm, I'm picking the Padres 51 to 49, if you put it that way. And it's just because of what Snell did and the season that Darvish had last year as well. Well, as you speak, I am smiling from ear to ear because I am super excited for this. I love that the Padres got better. As a Dodgers fan, you want to play as many good teams as possible. They are in our division, and we need our Dodgers to be battle-tested for October. I want the Padres to assemble the best team they possibly can. That way, when the Dodgers either play them in the playoffs or they play a different team, we'll know that it's for real, and we have plenty of experience against all-stars. So, Andres, over to you. Do you have a hero or a headline? I have a hero. His name is Mbappe for Paris Saint-Germain. This guy was on fire today. They beat up on Barcelona 4-1 to in the Champions League round of 16. Mbappe scored a hat-trick. It's, I mean, any hat-trick in any sport... Hitting, hitting three home runs, scoring three goals in hockey uh, or soccer, to me, is is a hero. Give the man. This kid is young. He's already won a World Cup with, with France. He's gonna he's on the quest to win a Champions League. This is the next generation uh, player of the Messi and of Ronaldo and Ibrahimovic. This guy is young. He's fast. He's so fast that defenders were pulling on his jerseys because <laughs> they couldn't catch up to him. I mean, he was known to keep up to him. So, you know, he's my hero. Uh, this guy is a phenomenal forward. I, I enjoy watching him play. And uh, I'm hoping to see whether or not they can go the distance for Paris and, and go to the Champions League final. Uh, it's going to be a tough battle. But when you're demolishing a great team in Barcelona, I mean, they've, they've been on a tailspin. And we've talked about it many, many times on the show, how bad they are. And, and what that uh, franchise is just, you know, just deteriorating and they don't know where to go. So Mbappe is my hero. Congratulations on a three-goal uh, hat-trick and uh, keep it up, my man. And uh, Chance, your hero is one big move away from a hat-trick of his own because he did one move, then he did another move, and now he needs one more to complete the hat-trick. Please explain. I don't know if it's more of like a hero or a headline, but I guess if I were to have a headline, it would be uh, Cuban exile. And and the reason that I say that is because, you know, Mark, Mark Cuban, you know, obviously going off of Andres' scumbag of the night from last week, Mark Cuban, uh, for the first 13 games of the NBA season, 
for home games at least, wasn't having his team play or wasn't having his organization play the national anthem. And I shit you guys not, literally, I feel like literally after Andres roasted this man, like the next day, 6 a.m. Eastern time, <laughs> Adam Silver was like, oh, no, we're going to nip that shit in the bud and you're going to play it. And Mark Cuban is not one to uh, to acquiesce or to give in real quick, but he pretty much, he, he bits over for this one. And the only thing that I never, I never understood is I feel like he's a, he's a super smart dude. I mean, he made all of his money in the tech bubble, you know, in the early 2000s. Um, we sold his company, I think, to Yahoo for like billions of dollars. But the thing is, I don't think, I don't, you know, Andres obviously had a problem and understandably so, you know, everyone has their own opinion, but he had a problem with them doing this. Um, I think Mark Cuban, what he should have done, fellas, is instead of just not play it, how about replace the song with American America the Beautiful, which I know has kind of been thrown out there before. So, um, you know, that's my headline is Cuban Exile, Mark Cuban, the guy who's known as a maverick, the guy who's known as a dick on Shark Tank and, you know, oh, no one tells me what to do. Sorry, sir, you got told what to do by the ball-headed wonder Adam Silver. Uh, and uh, real quick, Chance, um, you know, Adam Silver called us and told us, you know, we made good points last week. So uh, I asked Jimmy to set, please send him a sticker um, as being a, a dear fan of our show. So, uh, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Silver. Um, and uh, fuck you, Mark Cuban. And one thing, one, one thing I'll say, Mark Cuban was on The Jump uh, ESPN show at noon every day with Rachel Nichols that discusses the NBA. I watched that pretty regularly he was on the jump to address this the very next day because this became huge news um i think it was obviously wednesday of last week and to his credit a lot of the stuff that he was saying is like look this this wasn't a decision that was made that was final this was an ongoing conversation there were no fans in attendance which was a big part of it but it's not a decision that was made final at any point in time like this is what we're doing and that's it no, he, he addressed it that it was an ongoing conversation. It was something that game to game was being tabled as to what they were going to decide to do. So I, I know there's a lot of criticism going Mark Cuban's way, but he was very, in my mind, he compromised to a lot of different positions there, and you can't blame the guy for trying and that's what he was doing. He was listening to all sides before making an actual decision. And then, you know, the decision was made for him in a way, but he also wasn't fighting that decision. I also want to kind of make it clear that that was what he was saying. It's not like he was fighting Silver on that and Silver told him, no, you have to do it. It was more so, all right, now they're saying we have to do it. Cool. No worries. That was also on our plate as a decision. I think we... Uh, look, I feel... I feel you. Just real quick, I feel you on that. And I'm, I'm not even – like, I applaud him for tapping the balls to do it. I just – I would have been like, you know what? Okay, Mr. Silver, this is what we're going to do. I don't know. I mean, we're all baseball guys on this podcast. You know, I, I would assume that most of our listeners are baseball fans, especially because we have the season coming up. But saying that, I'm sure you've all seen the childhood classic, The Sandlot. And my whole thing is, look, like, look, man, just replace – the, the, the national anthem with Ray Charles's version of American the Beautiful. And then you, I mean, to me, that is the most, like, the ultimate compromise. You can't 
go wrong because that song and specifically Ray Charles's version, his rendition is just so well done that man, you can't not be patriotic. You got the, one of the best like composers, singers, entertainers of all time singing it. I mean, I just feel like it wins on all parties or on all, 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 all reasons. I guarantee you, Andres still finds an issue with that. <laughs> Andres, send that send that clip to Jimmy. Have him take it to Manfred. We got to get this all changed for baseball um, for the upcoming season, America the Beautiful. And I think we should start listening to the national anthem before we record our podcast. Uh, Flores, <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> over to you, Flores. Do you have a hero or a headline? I have a hero, and in a way, this hero made a headline. Um, There's a lot of athletes, specifically combat sports, fighters, specifically Floyd Mayweather, let's be real, um, that are getting a lot of flack for exhibition matches, for doing that part of it. And I just don't like that because all it does is it provides entertainment for people, especially right now where we're starved of any type of entertainment. There are no new movies coming out. There are no new real series of shows coming out. There's nothing really coming out right now, entertainment-wise. So in Japan, the bantamweight king, a top five pound-for-pound boxer, somebody that we talked about here a couple of weeks, I think months now at this point, Naoya Inoue. This dude is a stud. He's a beast. Pound for pound, this dude probably has the hardest punch in all of boxing. He's a bantamweight guy, so he's in the 110s, you know, going up to maybe 120s at the pounds is the highest that he can get as far as weight. But on February 11th in Japan, he headlined a set of exhibition matches that a lot of famous Japanese fighters partook in for Japan's medical workers for COVID. Mm. And it just, to me, it's really cool that this guy, it's not his first time doing an exhibition match. I think it was, honestly, it might have been like 10 years ago at this point, maybe five years ago. He also partook in one for charity, but he hopped in the ring with the former WBC flyweight champion, uh, Daigo Higa. They went three rounds, two of which were with headgear. The last round was without headgear. And these guys just fought. It's not like they were just going, you know, it it was not Tyson versus Roy Jones Jr. It was much more than that. And if a lot more boxers, and I mean, I know you can't do that as much in MMA because in MMA, it's it's like football. You're really trying to go out there and hurt the other person as opposed to boxing is more like baseball and basketball where you can, you know, put your pedal off of the gas a little bit and just cruise a little bit. So I can see why in boxing exhibition matches might be a little bit more popular, but again, these boxers have the opportunity to do this, but it's just frowned upon here in the U S and I wish they would take a page out of this guy, Inoue's book and do things like this here in the U S because they raised a ton of money for Japan's medical workers. Like I mentioned, Japan is a big country in terms of just the industry they have in terms of being a, leading nation here in the world. So, hey, man, if they can do that, why can't we have Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather hop in the ring here in the U.S. or Floyd Mayweather and 50 Cent and make all this money for charity? Mm-hmm. You know, which which at the end of the day, that's what this Tyson was, was at least his 
kind of money that he made. A bunch of that stuff went to charity, but a lot of these boxing fans here in the U.S. are killing all these exhibition matches as opposed to opening their arms to them and seeing the benefits that can come of it. So shout out to Naoya Inoue for doing what he did, the bantamweight king of the world, top five pound-for-pound fighter. Next fight that he has, make sure you tune in for that. And these these events are also ways for people – to bet you can place bets um even though it's for charity people like andres will sniff it out and find a, a wager <laughs> right andres yeah i took i took the over in a lot of the fights see there you go uh, andres now i have a question for you if there were to be a exhibition boxing match between two celebrities who would you like to see Two celebrities? Celebrities yeah. only. Um, celebrities only. Uh, let's go with... Let's you can't go say with... Jose, you can't say Jose Canseco. <laughs> no, no, that guy's, that guy's, that guy's, that guy's, that guy's trash. Let's go with... Uh, I don't know why, but Kanye West comes up comes in the in, like immediately. I don't know why. So I'm going to say Kanye West. Uh-huh. And uh Kanye West versus let's go with uh Nelly. Nelly? Yeah, let's go with the two of those. Chance, who is you... the busted challenge or what? because <laughs> yeah, it's it's just too damn hot in there, bro. They both gotta <laughs> fight it out. <laughs> Chance, who would you like to see? Kanye West and Nelly, huh? Um <laughs> <laughs> Man, I know that's a good who best celebrity fight. Damn, let me think about that. You know, I actually, I probably would go. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm gonna jump into the political, and I would, I wouldn't even say Joe Biden. I say, I would say Trump <laughs> and fuck whoever, Obama, Mike Pence, Mitch McConnell. <laughs> Like, anybody with Trump, because it would be a number one rated fucking, it'd be the number one rated show of the fucking last five years. <laughs> what about you, Flores? <laughs> Yo, I'm going to go old school. Something that I know everybody would want to see is Sylvester Stallone <laughs> versus Jean-Claude Van Damme. Oh, hell yeah. Or Sylvester Stallone versus Arnold Schwarzenegger. Something along those lines. Now, that would be... That that would be a lot more ratings, I think, than even Tyson and Holyfield if they're able to make that fight happen. You're fucking. You're talking about a fucking gee. gee uh, you're talking about an old man's fight, man. Geatrics fight. Go to the just go to the go to the home down the street from your house and watch an old men fight like that. <laughs> so since since I'm um since I'm kind of short, you know, I'm five seven. I'm not too tall. I'm a little guy. I'm gonna stick within my range, and I'm gonna go with Jeremy Piven versus Kevin Hart. I would like to see those fools scrap it out right before Sylvester Stallone takes on Jean-Claude Van Damme. Or you could have a free-for-all where all three of the old guys go at it and see who wins. Um, and those are last week's Heroes and Headlines. Fuck it. You're right, Pat. They're sending the Mexicans, and that's what we are. We're Mexicans. We can do it. Vamos, Viva Mexico. 
we are right in the middle of the Australian Open tennis match action. Men's, women's, everything is going down in the land down under. Flores has put together a little bit of a roadmap for the tennis fans and sports junkies alike to follow for the weekend. Flores, over to you. Tell us what's going on starting Wednesday. All right, so the most beautiful part of this whole tournament, I think for a lot of people here, especially in the U.S., is that we're getting the matchup, one of the two matchups that everybody's looking forward to. We love name brands. We love these name fighters, these name teams, Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes. We love that matchup. We want to see LeBron James versus Giannis in the finals. We want to see those name players going up against each other and with this Australian Open we're getting one of those two matchups coming up tomorrow in the semi-final of the women's singles side of the tournament of the Australian Open Naomi Osaka versus Serena Williams they both advance to the semi-finals whoever wins gets to advance to the finals to play somebody that they will be favored against. The number one player on the women's side, Barty, lost a couple of hours ago against Muchova, who is the 25th ranked player on the other quarterfinal for the women's. It's the 22nd ranked Brady against Pagula. So, at best, there's going to be the 22nd ranked player going up against the winner of Osaka or Serena Williams. So, if you want to say that this is the finals of the women's tournament going down tomorrow, Feel free to say that because it would be a huge upset in the finals if either of them two lost. It would be incredible if Serena, being ranked 10th right now, arguably the greatest women's tennis player of all time, takes this tournament. It would also be just as incredible if Naomi Osaka, who's up and coming, who's quickly becoming the most popular women's player, takes this tournament as well. So tomorrow's match. There's a lot of weird things with the timing on these things because right now it's nighttime for us on Tuesday night. And in Melbourne, Australia, it's about 4 p.m. So obviously the times are a little weird. That's why we get matches played at midnight. That's why we get matches that start at 8 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Pacific, whatever it may be. But on the men's side of things, Djokovic, the number one player in the world, has advanced to the semifinals. He's playing against Karatsev. Tomorrow as well. So Wednesday, keep in mind, Wednesday night, if you guys are listening to this podcast Wednesday morning, whatever it may be, at night is when you can catch Osaka versus Serena Williams. A lot of these times are still to be determined. Um, They haven't released them because it just depends on a lot of different factors. Same thing with Djokovic versus Karatsev. And tonight, while we are recording this podcast at midnight, Rafael Nadal is going to try to advance to the semifinals against the Greek Tsitsipas, the fifth-ranked player in the world. They will face, the winner of that match will face either the number fourth-ranked player in the world, Medvedev, or the seventh-ranked player in the world, Rublev. And if Nadal is able to win this quarterfinal match tonight, win the semifinal, and Djokovic wins tomorrow his semifinal, we're going to get the second of the two big matchups that we can get in this tennis tournament with Djokovic going up against Nadal, the number one ranked men's player in the world versus the number two ranked men's player in the world. Two of arguably the three best players of all time, because you can make a case that Djokovic, 
Nadal and Federer are the three greatest men's players of all time. They have proven that. And it's just amazing that we're getting to watch them too. We're getting to watch Serena and we're getting to watch my favorite player right now, Naomi Osaka. All this stuff is going down over the next couple days. And then Saturday and Sunday, we're going to get the men's and the women's finals go down. Again, keep an eye out because these matches are going to go down. I believe they'll probably go down around like 5 p.m. our time on mm-hmm. Saturday. Uh, the women should be on Saturday, and I believe the men's will be on Sunday. That's usually how they do it. So keep an eye out for these on this. When we discuss Saturday and Sunday, I'll do a little reminder for you guys during this podcast. But to recap, Naomi Osaka and Serena Williams going down Wednesday night. Jokovic going down Wednesday night. Nadal semifinals probably going down Thursday night. And then if Nadal and Jokovic play in the finals, that will be on Sunday. So keep an eye out. It's a great way to start the tennis season. There's going to be some big names on Saturday or Sunday, no matter. Hopefully it's two big names going at it. But. I would like to see, you know, an underdog go against one of those giants just to make it a little more exciting. And Andres has more weird times. Andres, what are you what are you well, watching tomorrow? Well, I'm watching it's soccer season. This is Champions League, the round of 16. Hold on to your hats. There's 18, uh, 16 teams left. <laughs> the best football clubs in the world and the biggest name in all of soccer playing tomorrow. Ronaldo is playing with Juventus against Porto, who is the Portuguese team. There shouldn't really be a big problem for them to uh, win this game. Juventus should win uh, handily. I expect Ronaldo to at least score a goal, if not two. But I'm more importantly looking at the second game. It happens to be at the same time at 12 o'clock. It's Sevilla, the team from Spain, versus Dortmund, the team from Germany. And the reason being is Sevilla and Dortmund. Sevilla is always a tough, scrappy little team who has won the Europa League three times in a row. But more importantly, they just know how to play. They never give up a fight. They do have Rakitic, who used to be the forward for Barcelona. Uh, but Dortmund has the better squad. They have Haldon Sancho, Erling Haaland, as well as the young American in Giovanni Reina. So that, to me, is going to be the most important game to watch. You want to see great soccer, this is the game to watch. you got Spanish and German soccer teams going at it. Uh, Reyna, who is an American, he's super young. Um, his father is Claudio Reyna, who played for the U.S. national team. And the fact that he's playing overseas in Germany, that's where everybody wants to play is overseas and in Europe. So this is a game to watch. I'm expecting Dortmund to squeak it out. But if not, I expect at least a 2-2 tie when it's all said and done. So um, I like Porto to upset Juventus. And you said Dortmund has a guy named Sancho? Yeah, they have Haldon Sancho. Okay, and Chance, just so you know, do you know what Sancho means, Chance? <laughs> I do not. Please explain. It is a, um, what is it, Andres? A side piece? No, you don't even know what it means. Hey, Sancho, 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 Sancho,
They have won the last five matches, correct. So they're due for but a not loss. not in Champions League. Just in, just in general, they've won five games. Uh, that's probably with La Liga. Well, so, you you like yes, Sevilla. You said you like Sevilla, so I will go against them just just to just to piss you off. And then um, Thomas has another parlay. He is zero for two on his parlays, his hockey parlays. The last two weeks, um, he has not been correct, and he has only picked two games. So he said this week, "Fuck it, I'm going to do a three team parlay." Andres, he is taking <laughs> the uh, Wednesday parlay is of the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Chicago Blackhawks. And the Vancouver Canucks. Those are his three picks for tomorrow. Hockey fans, if he lets you down a third week in a row, I apologize. Thomas will still continue to make his parlay bets. And then Thursday, going into Thursday's matchups, um, Pac-12 after dark. Uh, Arizona, 14-7. and seven. They need a couple wins. Um, they're probably on the outside looking in. They need to get closer to 20 wins to get an invite to the tournament. Going into Los Angeles, Poly Pavilion, taking on the UCLA Bruins, who sit at 14-5. and five. The Bruins lost their dynamic shooting forward out of Chicago. I believe his last name is Smith. Um, he would have been taking them to the next level. Him and Jacquez, uh, you know, manning the backcourt getting buckets they lost him and they're still at 14 and 5 so i'm not too sure how much of a elite eight run they can make i would still put them in my sweet 16 so that's why i'm watching that game you have two west coast powerhouse teams in the wildcats and the bruins going at it and then chance over to you for the nightcap um we have the lakers hosting the brooklyn nets so a lot of great basketball on both levels taking place in los angeles on thursday night what do you see happening on this game? Because it looks like everybody's healthy. Kevin Durant should be back by Thursday. Yeah, you would think and you would hope so, man, because this is definitely going to be a marquee game on the TNT uh, late night game for the Thursday night, 7 p.m. Brooklyn Nets with Kyrie, Flat, Flat Earth Irving, <laughs> um, <laughs> KP, and, uh, and James Harden against LeBron, AD's going to be out for this game. And I just can't imagine KD not playing. Now, like you said, Patrick, everyone is relatively healthy. I know KD's going to be out the next uh, few games with a sore hamstring. Kyrie's going to be out with, with back tightness or back, uh, his back being sore. So I would imagine that both of these guys are going to play this game just because it's not only the Lakers, but especially because it's LeBron. And, uh, you know, with AD out, I'd really like to see how LeBron handles this game. I can't imagine him not just going all out. I mean, LeBron's been on a tear this year, averaging 25 and a half, pretty much shooting 50% from the field and eight assists. And apparently he's shooting his best ever from three-point land. So that's what we love about LeBron, guys. He's always reinventing, working on his game, adding a new wrinkle, adding a new element. This is going to be a great one, but I see the Lakers prevailing. Even though they don't have AD, I just think the power of LeBron is too much. Schroeder's doing well. Alex Caruso had an amazing block the other game. He's been inspired. I know that's one of Andres' favorite players. Heard he might get a jersey with the number four and Caruso on the back. <laughs> so um, with, with, with the bald eagle, eagle patch in front, just let it be known. There you go. With the bald eagle patch in, in front. And, uh, yeah, man, it's going to be a great game. I, I really – I want to see the Lakers prevail. I'm not a Laker fan, guys, but I, I'm a fan of LeBron. Always have been, always will be. And I actually read somewhere that he is on his way 
um, like Ronaldo, and I want to say maybe like Messi, in surpassing a billion dollars hmm. in career earnings. So that's going to be that's going to be amazing to watch LeBron do that. I don't think anyone else, even with those guys, are like well, Messi. I mean, he's a fuck boy. He never wins anything. He always nuts up in the uh, in the biggest moments. But uh, <laughs> it couldn't happen to a better guy than LeBron. So looking forward to the to the game on Thursday, 7 p.m. Check it out on TNT. This time also, fellas, with the A broadcast team. I don't know if you guys have been paying attention, but they've been having those Tuesday night games on TNT where they have um, the fake Ernie Johnson, Shaq, Candace Parker, and Dwayne Wade. I actually like all those people, but they just don't bring the same, I don't know, flair and cachet that, that you know, mumbling Chuck you know, Shaq and, and, and Kenny the Jet met too. So, looking forward it's to the game. Worst. It's the worst, dude. When they're on, that is the best show. You can argue that's the best show on TV. If you know anything about the NBA or you don't know anything about the NBA, because even my wife, when she watches Chuck and Shaq and their interactions with Ernie and Kenny Smith, you can argue that is the best show on TV right now. And when Candace Parker and Dwayne Wade and, like you said, the fake Ernie Johnson come on, they just don't have that personality, dude. And Shaq just sounds so bad when he's with them as opposed to with Chuck. So I totally feel what you're saying, Chubbs. Why do you guys say the fake Ernie Johnson? Because he's not. I mean, and I, yeah, it's a different host. And look, oh. I like the dude. I like. I mean, look, he's he's a white. He's, and he's got to have some swag because he's married to a black woman and he's a white dude. So like, obviously, he's got to have some sauce. But <laughs> I'm just saying that like he ain't. He ain't Ernie Johnson. Ernie Johnson is like a 65-year-old dude who wears Jordans. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, he just doesn't have that, you know, they just don't have that camaraderie, man. Not, it would be like, Patrick, it'd be like if you had a fake Chance, a fake Patrick, a fake Flores, <laughs> and a fake Andre. Like, it wouldn't work. <laughs> okay, I have to watch. Maybe I'll watch it tonight on when we're done recording. I'll throw on TNT to get the a glimpse of this uh, cast. So, Flores, um, over to you for Friday. We're at the 14-minute mark, um, so we're almost halfway through the segment. Uh, the Jazz are coming into Los Angeles. They are 23-5 and five on the season. I believe they're in first place. Uh, they're taking on the Los Angeles Clippers, who are 21-8. and eight. This game is at 7 p.m. on ESPN. Who do you think wins on Friday night? Someone gives you $100 and says you must bet on this game. What are you going to do? That's a tough one. I mean, the Jazz already took one from the Clippers this season. Like you said, they are 23-5, and five, which puts them about two games at least up of the Lakers and the Clippers, who are the other two top teams in the West. And not only that, but, man, they've, they've won eight or nine games in a row. They just beat the Sixers with Clarkson, who's on pace to be the sixth man of the year, dropping 40 points. Clarkson is a certified bucket. We know Donovan Mitchell, the spider, is a certified bucket with what he did in the playoffs last year at Gobert. He's kind of, in a way, bringing back the big men with the way that he's playing. I know we just talked about Shaq and all the shit that Shaq has talked about with Gobert and an awkward conversation that he had with Donovan Mitchell earlier this year trying to challenge him. And Donovan Mitchell was like, uh, okay, yeah, sure. But I think Again, the Jazz are just, they're on a mission right now. Does this translate to the playoffs? I don't know. But given the fact that it's a regular season game, that the Clippers are going to be missing 
Paul George for the next foreseeable future. I mean, Kawhi Leonard is day-to-day. I Don't get me wrong. I think he is going to play in this game. But I, I just see the Jazz continuing their winning ways, boosting their record at 24-5. and five. And the Clippers, they're going to do their thing in the playoffs. If this was game one, game two of a playoff series, I wouldn't say that the Jazz would win. But it's a regular season. I think they have a lot. Their plans are a lot different than what the Clippers' plans are. So that's why I see them winning this game. Interesting point. They need to stay up top because they need to get that home court advantage um, in a playoff series. Clippers might not care as much. Uh, So we're going to get into Saturday and Sunday after a quick message from our sponsor. Welcome back, guys, Uh, ladies and gents. Um, Saturday, kicking it off right away. There's going to be some fights going on Saturday morning, 12 o'clock. We're talking hockey, the best best game to watch, the best game to be around. The Golden Knights of Las Vegas are facing the Colorado Avalanche. This game is special because this game is being played outdoors. Where, Patrick, you may ask? Lake yeah, Tahoe. Because yeah. you, were, you, were, you were asking me, they're going to play a game outdoors. Where are they going to play? Well, it's been decided this whole weekend. There's two games, both Saturday and Sunday, in Lake Tahoe. First game Saturday, Vegas Knights versus Colorado Avalanche. Sunday's game is going to be the... Philadelphia Flyers versus the Boston Bruins. And this weekend, they're both, every team is wearing their retro throwback jerseys. If you guys haven't seen them, I recommend you look at them because they are fucking fire. They look legit. They, they're, they're clean. I like them a lot. I'm a big fan. But this Vegas game, this is the game where you want good hockey. You're going to watch a lot of scoring, a lot of great passes, a lot of great saves. You've got uh, McKinnon for the Colorado Avalanche. That guy, the kid, is really, really good. I like him a lot. Although I don't think they're going to pull away with the victory. I'm going with the Vegas Knights. I expect at least a 4-3 shootout. So, yeah, speaking of the Clippers, that's what the Knights are, right, for hockey? That's correct. (laughs) Hopefully the Knights can get over the hump, bring home that Stanley Cup to Sin City. Uh, Chance, you are from Louisville. And you said that this year the Louisville Cardinals are not playing well, but they're sitting at 11-4, and four, very respectable record. Um, they could win a couple more games and make a March Madness run versus the North Carolina Tar Heels sitting at 12-7. and seven. My Tar Heels have not been performing to um, my satisfaction. This game is at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. What do you want to bet on this, Chance? These are our teams. What kind of uh, – what kind of bet do you have in mind? Man, I mean, that's a great question. And it's not going to be a high-stakes one because, according to the matchup predictor, you guys have a 62% chance of winning. So, uh, you know, I might throw a little gentlemanly $20 bet out there for you. But I don't know, man. My Cardinals, they're, they're not struggling. I just, you know, Patrick, this is more of a institutional or, or philosophical issue for me I just I've never been a believer of their head coach Chris Mack and until he takes us to a final four or even further a championship I'm never going to be a believer that's just how it is I mean you know when you come from where I come from and you know you have my family who my godfather was the assistant coach uh, of a team that went to six final fours in the 80s you know you have high standards so uh, I'm just not a believer of the Louisville Cardinals and I, I'm actually taking North 
North Carolina, even though they have, well, they have one more win with three more losses, but I'm actually taking them to win this game. Um, I, I just don't see how we're going to do it. I hope Louisville proves me wrong, but I'll, I'll throw a nice little $20 gentlemanly bet out there for you if you'll accept it. $20 is a good bet. I want to take it a step further. Whoa. I want to take it a step further and a $20 bottle of champagne for Champagne Chauncey. Whoa. <laughs> Yeah, so the bet is a $20 bottle of champagne. Um, and don't worry, Chance, if I beat you, if you, if Tar Heels win, we'll drink it together. Don't worry. Um, now, the uh, boxing UFC is going to start after this game ends. Uh, Flores, we are at the 21 minute mark. So we got about nine minutes left in this segment. Let's see what you got. All right, so I'll open up with UFC because I do want to mention this fight as well. The UFC fight night. It's Curtis Blades versus Derek Lewis. These are two big boys. Blades is 6'4", 260. Derek Lewis, 6'3", 265. They both need a win. The reason why Blades is 14-2, Derek Lewis 24-7. Blades is a big favorite in this one. If he wins, he continues to set himself up for that heavyweight title fight. Ngannou versus Vyacic is going to happen. John Jones has already promised the winner of that. But if Blades keeps winning, he lines himself up to then face John Jones or whoever the winner is of when John Jones fights for the heavyweight title for a huge payday. I don't know if John Jones will even fight if he wins the heavyweight title. I don't know if he'll ever defend it or what the deal is. But again, in prize fighting, you just want to keep yourself up there to be one of the guys that matches up against big-name fighters, like when I talk about all the time, different boxers that could eventually face Canelo or different fighters that could face a Pacquiao, things like that. You just want to keep yourself in contention for that. So it's going to be a great main event. Big bombs are going to be thrown. Make sure you guys, if you get a chance to tune in to the UFC Fight Night on ESPN+, Plus, the main card starts at 5 p.m. Main event will probably come on like around 7.30 or so. Tune in for that. Now, going on to the important stuff that night. Patrick, we don't ring the bell enough anymore. Ring the bell for me one more time if you have it there right by your side. Let's go, baby. So, I'm going to start off with the lesser of the two cards. And when you're mentioning Adrian Broner, as the lesser of two boxing cards, you know you're in for a great night of boxing. Broner is making his comeback. It's going to be on Showtime. He hasn't fought since January of 2019. I'm not saying January 2020. I'm saying January 2019 when he lost to Pacquiao. Adrian Broner is one of the most recognizable names, faces in boxing. He's lost or drawn in his last three fights. So this guy needs a win more than anybody that we're going to be talking about for fighting this weekend. He's going up against a Puerto Rican by the name of Santiago, who's undefeated himself. He's 
14-0. He has 10 knockouts. He has a heavy hand, KO power, but he's obviously untested. It's a 10-round junior welterweight fight, so it's going to be fought at around 140 pounds. Obviously, they still have to make weight, yada, 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 all this stuff that's always been an issue for Adrian Broner. But if Adrian Broner comes back, he's successful, he knocks this guy out, he's setting himself up for big things, man. There's a lot of big names around the division that he's in. He can he can go fight Lomachenko. He can go fight Ryan Garcia. He can go up and fight Bud Crawford. He can fight a Spence. He can fight anybody because he's one of those guys who has a name brand, and if he gets to winning again, people will buy right back into him and say, hey, he's finally taking this stuff serious. He lost 35 pounds over the last couple months for this fight. And he's promised that he's going to now, going forward, be in shape. He's not partying anymore. Obviously, COVID had a big part to do with that. But <laughs> tune in to see Adrian, the problem, Broner, coming back in a 10-round matchup on Showtime. In the undercard, we have some really good fights, a good heavyweight fight. Dominic Brazil versus Otto Whalen. Otto Whalen is a guy that went and, you know, he challenged Tyson Fury, cut Tyson Fury. So that's a great fight to watch, too. Robert Easter Jr., great fighter as well. He's on the undercard. But now, the main event of the main events of the night, Adrian Broner's on Showtime. This card is going to be on ESPN in Las Vegas. This is the Mexican Super Bowl this year. <laughs> it's very rare. <coughs> That's how excited I am that I'm choking all over myself. But it's very rare that you have two Mexican fighters at the top of their game, top pound-for-pound type names going at it. Miguel Burchell versus Oscar Valdez. Burchell is 37-1 with 33 knockouts. He's knocked out 15 of the last 16 people he's fought. He's been the king of this division for a while. Oscar Valdez He'll always have a place in my heart because for my bachelor party, I actually went to go see him here at the StubHub Center in Carson, and that dude's undefeated. He's 28-0. He's being trained by Eddie Reynoso, who is Canelo's trainer. This guy, had he's moving up. He has a score to settle here. He wants this victory. He wants Purcell's belt. Both of these guys are top fighters in their division, the junior lightweight division. I see Purcell pulling it out because he's just bigger and Oscar Valdez, he's undefeated, don't get me wrong, he's fought a fight where he broke his jaw and he still won the fight, he's a fucking dog, but I think the size that Purcell has at the end of the day is what's going to make him prevail but if you guys get a chance to tune into ESPN, this will probably be on around 8 or 9pm, make sure you guys catch the Mexican Super Bowl between Miguel Purcell and Oscar Valdez so you have Broner and Santiago at the same time as Brichel and Valdez. Yeah, they're kind of spread out. Don't get me wrong. A lot of times they, when there are different networks that have main events going on, usually because some fights end a little earlier on one of the cards mm -hmm. and some fights go a little longer on the other card, You'll be able to see, you know, one and then the other one, which is what happened this weekend where I saw Jojo Diaz get a draw and then I was able to tune into the UFC to see Usman beat Burns right after that. So it always kind of works itself out where they're not fighting at the same time. 
And ESPN is a lot more accessible to a lot of people. It's very rare that people have showtime. So if you are going to watch either of the two, make sure you watch the ESPN one because everybody will be able to catch that one. Real quick, Chance, um, we have twenty. We have a minute left. Do you think Broner pulls this one off? I don't know, man. I mean, I, you know, Agent Broner. I mean, you talk about, you know, everyone thinks the, like the AB who plays football is delusional. Agent Broner might be the most delusional <laughs> athlete in the sport. So I don't know. Hey, I can I'll, see throw AB, this, but... I'll throw this in. He's a minus eight hundred favorite, so he's eight to one And Andres, quickly, 30 seconds. Did you see the females that are fighting? Ketlin Vieira and Yana Kutnitskaya. Who do you got? I, I, I did. I'm, take, I'm taking the Brazilian. I'm taking Ketlin Vieira. Uh, it should be a good match, but you cannot take away anything from the Brazilians when it comes to UFC. So I'm going with Ketlin Vieira. If Richard Petty hasn't done it, if Dale Earnhardt hasn't done it, except Jeff Gordon... Last segment went a little long, but we did not forget about Sunday Fun Day. So we're going to combine Scumbag of the Night with our Sunday games. So uh, first off, Sunday, 10 a.m. is a Big Ten rivalry matchup. Yes, they are still rivals on the hardwood. Uh, the third-ranked Michigan Wolverines, who, by the way, I put a little money on uh, last weekend on Sunday, they were losing all game. They came back in the second half and got me the W. So thank you, Michigan Wolverines. Marching into Columbus, Ohio, taking on the fourth-ranked Ohio State University. Ohio State is 17-4. and four. This is Chance's Sunday morning matchup. Chance, you're probably going to hit the gym on Sunday and catch this game while you work out. <laughs> oh, man, tell another joke. But I will try my best to <laughs> that if I can, Patrick. Um, I'll definitely be up. If I hit the gym, I'll be very, very, very proud of myself. I would be drinking by the start of this game. But um, like you said, man, this is not only a great game because both of these teams are, are, are pretty good this year. Michigan is 14-1, and 9-1 and in conference. Ohio State is 17-4, and 11-4 in conference. Both are ranked in the top uh, five. Michigan ranked third. Ohio State ranked fourth. Um, and this is going to be a great game, man. Obviously, a rivalry game between these two. And as you said, Patrick, usually in football. But this year, both teams, basketball teams, are actually better than the football teams. I actually think this Michigan team is going to come out in the victory. Ohio State is slightly predicted to win this game. But Michigan, in my opinion, has a better coach in Jawan Howard, former Michigan member of the Fab Five, then went on to play, I think, 20 years in the NBA, won a ring with the Heat as a coach had some coaching experience under Eric Spolstra and the Heat team when LeBron and the Heatles were down there. Always been a big fan of Jawan Howard, smart dude. And I really think this Michigan team, honestly, they're going to be my sleeper this year, Patrick, for the national championship team. And the reason that I'm impressed, Patrick, is I don't know if you remember this, but mm -hmm. this team literally had to take a break for COVID. And I know we understand that, you know, all sports, regardless whether they're pro uh, college, you know, regardless of what sport it is, team, individual, they've all kind of had to adapt to the COVID protocols. But this team in the Michigan Wolverines literally had to shut down all activities 
for three straight weeks. That game that you mentioned earlier against Wisconsin, which they actually came back in, which I was watching live in the second half, that was their first game in three weeks on the road at Wisconsin, which is a tough team to play at their home up in Madison. So with that being said, I'm feeling pretty confident about this Michigan Wolverine team led by Jawan Howard. That's who I'm picking to take it out on Sunday, Pat. And then, uh, I mean, Michigan has a really good center. Um, he just got added to the wooden watch list and um, that he, he's doing well. They have a small forward that's putting up almost 16, 17 points a game. The center is Dickinson. So Michigan has some pieces. Um, they, they look like they're going to give Gonzaga a run for their money if they meet up in the tournament. Um, over to you, Andres. Uh, you are probably going to put a little action money on this Michigan game. But your main bread and butter game on Sunday is at noon. You kind of touched on it. Give us a little bit of a reminder. Yeah, I, I spoke to it just recently, um, last segment. It's just the Sunday hockey game that's outdoors. It's the Boston Bruins against the Flyers. This game is in Lake Tahoe uh, with the retro throwback jerseys. I'm going to be taking Boston Bruins. I think they're the better team. I've seen them play. They beat up on the Flyers earlier this year once before. Uh, and they'll probably play against each other a lot more in the coming future because of the COVID and the scheduling, and they're not really traveling as much. So, uh, Flores, I'm taking the Bruins to win, and I'm going to parlay it with the game you have next uh, in the Clippers' nets, and I'll probably be taking the Clippers at home. Got to give a little love to our boy Pat and Brian because <laughs> um, he's a big Clipper, Clipper nation, so... Uh, Brian, I know you're listening. Thank you for all the listens. So I'm taking your team. Hopefully the claw and Kawhi doesn't let me down on my parlay. What do you say about that, Flores? <laughs> um, I don't know, man. I just I think the Nets kind of want to send a message on this little L.A. trip that they're having with, with the Lakers and now playing the Clippers, and they've won – a few games in a row, looks like they've won about three games in a row. Obviously, by the time that that day comes around on, on Sunday, who knows what will have happened over the last couple of games. But, man, I just want to reiterate, like, I know people know, but you're starting, essentially your starting backcourt is James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and then you have Kevin Durant, and you can throw in Joe Harris as the two forwards. Joe Harris shoots 49.7% from three, and then in the middle, you have the big guy, DeAndre Jordan. That starting five is absolutely fucking ridiculous. <laughs> They're probably going to have all of those players playing that game. The Clippers, again, they like to kind of snooze it during the regular season because they think they can turn it on. Who knows what's going to happen? We mentioned earlier what, what their team's looking like with no Paul George for the foreseeable future, so... I just I see the Nets sending a little bit of a message coming up over the last you know next couple of games now that they're out here playing some real teams and I see the Nets taking this one so I don't know and also I know earlier in the show we talked about the Australian Open I just wanted to reiterate that on Sunday we should be seeing the men's finals hopefully we'll be watching Djokovic versus Nadal and Saturday will be the women's finals so. Keep that stuff in mind, too, for you tennis fans out there. Yeah, and uh, just to give you a snapshot of what the Nets have been up to, um, yesterday 
they played the Kings in Sacramento. They they had a dominant lead the entire game. Tonight they're playing the Phoenix Suns, who are 17 and 9. So they're a really good squad this year. And the Nets were losing by 20 at the half. There's five minutes left, and they're down by five. So um, they're playing some ball. Lakers coming up, Clippers coming up. I got the Nets winning on Sunday night. So those actually conclude. And Andres, good luck to you with your bet. Shout out to Brian, our only Clippers fan that I know of that listens to us. Any other Clippers fans out there, let us know so we can get you guys some stickers that just came in, the freshest, hottest stickers that you'll ever see. Um, So let's move over to scumbag of the night. These people are responsible for ruining your sports happiness. Andres, why are the Houston Texans your scumbag of the night? Uh, you know, it's just, I know it's not football season, but I, this whole Houston Texans is, is like a soap opera drama that I don't really appreciate. Um, they just allowed and gave the okay for J.J. Watt to, to part ways. They gave him everything that they, they wanted. They made everything the way that he wanted it. Meanwhile, they can't give Deshaun Watson his time to go. They can't trade him. They can't make him happy. And it's just super unfair to, to know that you have both of these dynamic players on both sides of the ball. Both of them are your team captains on each side of the ball. Make the man happy in Deshaun Watson. Let him go. Give him whatever he wants. Trade him to a much prettier city, a much hotter city. Whatever the case may be, but this thing has been going on for too damn long. I just don't understand it. I don't know if he if he's got some you know photographs or shit of the owner that he shouldn't have because they are just doing him wrong and dirty. And I I don't know how much longer this thing is gonna you know go on for. And you know what? It's only gonna, it's going to make matters worse for both parties. The Texans aren't probably going to get uh, Deshaun Watson that's going to give him 110% next season because of the way that he's been treated and vice versa. And he'll probably just sit out or whatever, but it has just gone way too long. So, Deshaun, be a Niners if you want. Come to, come to the Bay. We'll yeah, love you. We'll give you whatever you need. Uh, but uh, you got to get out of Texans. So, get out, get out of Houston, my man. Houston, we have a problem. Uh, but why would, why would the Texans get rid of him if no one's giving him good offers, wouldn't these other teams, like let's say the Niners, wouldn't they be the scumbags for not giving them a good enough offer to take? I'll give them Jimmy G. Here you go. Well, I mean, <laughs> you're going to need a little more than that. We can give them, we can, we, I think we have enough players to give uh, in the back end, or at least some draft picks. So I'm not too concerned about it. I heard Are the- you giving up Nick Bosa? Ooh. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Well, no that's what it's going to say. That's what, well, how, I, they feel, how do you think they feel about giving up Sean Watson then if that's how you're talking about Nick Bosa? Well, here's the thing. If we would have said, hey, let's trade J.J. Watt for Nick Bosa, I'd say, yeah, that's a fair trade. But Nick Bosa hasn't been... No way, dude. J.J. <laughs> Watt is... Dude, J.J. Watt is not what he used to be, but... Um, anyways, okay, so the Texans just dicking around, Deshaun Watson playing with his money, playing with his emotions. Um, the second scumbag, Flores, over to you. All right, so I see you one NFL scumbag, and I'll raise you another one, Andres. I don't know if you guys have heard the name Lorraine Groves over the last couple of days. <laughs> 
daughter of Greg Grows. The daughter of Silversmith Greg Grows. But this stupid entitled bitch comes out and starts talking at the side of her fucking neck because Tom Brady decided to have some fun and throw the Lombardi Trophy, which her father, again, the silversmith Greg Rose, crafted the original Lombardi Trophy. I think it was for Tiffany or, I don't know, one of those like really famous uh, jewelers or whatever it may be, but... She went in and a lot of hard work and a lot of hours go into it. It just really upset me that this trophy was disgraced and disrespected by being thrown as if it was a real football. This bitch literally said, I didn't sleep for the past two nights because of this. I was that upset. Like, these guys are out there having fun. It's a piece of fucking metal that they won that they're celebrating with. Let these guys have their fun. Stop trying to bring attention to yourself and chase this clout. Let it be. Shout out Tom Brady for getting drunk on that avocado tequila. That's one of the most memorable things that will ever be remembered in Tom Brady. So shout out for doing that. But Lorraine Gross, you are an absolute scumbag, bitch. Forrest, real real quick, where, where was she when... Gronkowski used it as a fucking bat and hit a baseball. <laughs> and and then that has a dent on the actual Super Bowl trophy. So I, I you can't have your cake and eat it too. I, I, if she would have been consistent year in, year out, and five years ago she would have came out against Gronk, I would have I would not have a problem. But I mean it's now not- you're just you're just picking and picking picking whatever one you want. That's bullshit. I'm over it. It's not like they were pissing on it, you know? Like, they they just threw it from one boat to the next. And he, the guy actually caught it. I mean, Tom Brady threw it. And so how, how can you not catch it? But I'm glad that you brought that up, Flores, because um, I was cracking up when I had seen that she had an interview and all that. And the people that took that interview, you're also fucking scumbags. Like, like, <laughs> I would have hung up the phone, man. I would have been like, "No, I'm not. I'm not wasting my time with this." So, um, yeah. And then Chance, you have an interesting scumbag, and um, it's a little more serious. So, uh, everybody, let's uh, let's get a little serious. Chance, over to you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna get get it too serious. I mean, yeah, it's not as as lighthearted as uh, you know, Flores's uh, or even Andres's, but. It's my scumbag of the night is Dana White, and that's because he uh, he made some comments. He came to the defense of, of Gina Carano, who, if you guys didn't see it, if, if our listeners didn't hear about it or see it, Gina Carano um, made some what some people would seem or deem as controversial comments about being a Republican, where she compared it to pretty much being uh, a Jew in the Holocaust. Um, not what I would say. Uh, but she she made these comments, and then Dana White came to her defense, which is fine. But it's what he said uh, that kind of that kind of annoyed me. He said, "Leave Gina alone. Listen, we all make mistakes. We all make mistakes, which is true for everybody to go in on her." And then he says, "I love how Ariel Helwani made it all about him. It was all about him. He's such a douche." And for those who don't know, there's some some personal beef with Ariel Helwani, who is Jewish. Uh, between him and Dana White, specifically going back to when Brock Lesnar signed with the UFC 
and Ariel Helwani was able to report it out for ESPN before the UFC could report it out themselves, which caused Dana White to not only get mad, but also revoke the credentials of ESPN and Ariel Helwani, but he ultimately gave them back after some backlash. And my, my issue with Dana White, man, is just like, dude, you're the douche, okay? Like, Ariel Helwani's Jewish. He has every right to feel how he feels. And if you go and look at his tweet, he didn't even go in on Gina Carano. He was just like, her tweets have been kind of off for a year. I just wish she wouldn't have said it. Like, literally, that was it. He didn't come for her head. He didn't go at her, you know, or anything like that. He literally just said that. And then Dana White comes in and says, oh, I love how he like, likes to make it all about him. He's such a douche. So, obviously, all of the ESPN brethren came to Ariel Helwani's defense. And then, you know, Dana White is it up there looking like an asshole like he is with his dick in his hand. So, <laughs> again, man, I've, I've never – Never really liked the dude. Uh, I never had a problem with him as far as, you know, him promoting his business. I understand why he had an allegiance to Trump because Trump was one of the first people to give him a chance with the UFC as far as hosting an event in one of his casinos and his venues. But, you know, I, Flores and I, I'll, I'll get your opinion on this. I really cannot wait till one of these days where these fighters just figure a way to get out of their contract like Dr. Re- Dr. Dre was able to get out of his Rufus Re- Records contract and go to death row. I can't wait to one of these, like a couple of these UFC fighters, just get out of their contract and then just go and broker their own pay-per-view deal where they're just making the money that they should be making. Because, you know, we had, we had this conversation a while back and, you know, somebody tried to say that boxing was dead. And, you know, I, yeah, outside of like Connor and maybe John Jones, you know, UFC dudes really aren't getting the money that boxers are getting. So I just can't wait till they just stick it to Dana White and just say, you know what? We don't need your fucking UFC brand. We don't need your fucking whack ass Reebok partnership. We'll go and broker our <laughs> and fucking <laughs> and fucking make our own fucking money. No, I, I feel you. I'm. I'm not a fan at all of fucking peanut head Ariel Hawani. I, the same way that people feel about the UFC and the monopoly it has is kind of the same way that people feel about ESPN and the monopoly that they have on sports. And the fact that this guy is ESPN's MMA guy has always rubbed me the wrong way. I can't stand watching any of his interviews. I can't stand the takes that he has. Dana White, I mean, he's just like any of the other promoters. Bob Arum is the same way. Don King back in his day was the same way that he didn't give a fuck about anything and just they do their thing. Hey, fighter, if you want to go do your own thing, by all means. De La Hoya, kind of the same way. Canelo, you want to do your own thing? Goodbye. I'm going to go find some other fighters. So, you know, I can't blame Dana White for being brash because that's what he's always been is brash. But he did it to kind of, I think, miss the point here. But I think the reason why is because he has such a hatred for Ariel Hawani that he wanted to just throw that in there and jab Ariel Hawani one more time on this. So, yes, Dana White missed the point, I think. But I think he did it on purpose to jab at Ariel Hawani. And honestly, I can't stand the guy. So I can't play him as much either. So let me let me ask you real quick. Why why is the dude so unlikable? Because he I saw I saw that he was banned 
from the Mayweather-Pacquiao fight, or maybe the Mayweather-McGregor fight, not Pacquiao, Mayweather-McGregor. Like, why why does he rub so many people the wrong way? Because he's a little know-it-all. He's he's one of those, you know, guys that comes in and he always has, you know, his glasses on and thinks he's just smarter and and kind of snaking his way into things and everybody. And that's why it rubs real dudes the wrong way a lot of times because he's at the end of the day just a snaky little reporter you know what i mean i feel the same way about dan raphael the head guy for boxing at on espn big old fat dude that it's just like dude you guys have no experience at the end of the day with this stuff you're just giving this huge platform of ESPN, and ESPN, just like UFC, is such a monopoly that now Ariel Hawani is the number one name in MMA reporting, as opposed to all these other sites like BJ Penn's website, which is arguably the number one UFC kind of source. Um, Chael Sonnen, his, you know, he's all the time talking about but Ben Askren. All these other guys are kind of relegated to the side. Because Ariel Hawani is now the face of MMA reporting, and that stuff rubs me the wrong way when they are given this power because of the monopoly that ESPN is, as opposed to real people that actually are in the trenches with this stuff that are able to get good interviews and good reports and all this stuff. So that's why it rubs me the wrong way and why it rubs a lot of people the wrong way. Well, um, that's interesting. Interesting conversation about Dana White. I had no idea that people didn't like him this much. So um, thank you guys for bringing that to the table. The people that will never, ever be our scumbags are our own heroes, our listeners. Thank you. That concludes this week's show. You guys have stuck with us and we appreciate your loyalty. The weekend starts on Wednesday and this week it starts with soccer. Champions League soccer. Ronaldo takes on FC Porto, and it ends with the Brooklyn Nets taking on the Los Angeles Clippers. We will see you guys next week. If you place any bets, good luck.